Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Michael to my sonny. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, honestly, quite flattered. Yeah, and our very own Vito. That's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how you doing? Oh, man. I, uh, you know, being Vito's okay. It's it's fine. I'll take Vito. It's fine? It's fine. Guys, Mar- Mariners baseball is, uh, is back. They are giving the Seattle fans hope, and it is... Uh, it has been fun in the Discord to who kind of uh, watch the uh, people people gain hope at different times, uh, and then we all know what's going to happen in the end, right? We all know it's Mar- it's Mariners baseball. Like you even with love these guys, even with three wild cards, they're probably not going to make the playoffs. They they need to keep adding wild cards. They they just keep adding them so the Mariners will make the playoffs. They're like, how many wild cards do we got to add, Mariners, to get you in? And here? the Mariners keep but saying they, like, nah, no, nah, no, nah, keep adding more. We're, we'll wait. Refuse to lose. Refuse. To lose. Now this that I will be honest. This weekend is one of the Mariners series that I invest the most in. Uh, so the Discord imagine. probably has heard this because a bunch of idiot Western Canadians come down from Can- Western Canada, Calgary. Surrey. Uh, Vancouver, Surrey. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they come down and they invade our stadium to watch their beloved Blue Jays. And uh, not only were the Blue Jays fans in attendance, but Eric, you were there as well, right? I was there. I uh, it, I went. So how was your how how was it interacting with all of the uh, Blue Jays? Fans? Uh, it's great. So one of my early memory move uh, early memory movies, early Mariner memories was uh, in the kingdom. I'd go to like uh, I went to a Blue Jays game and there was, you know, it was right after I think 93 92 after they won the their first world series and i was like why are they waving canadian flags and it was explained to me that they come down from canada i was like oh that sucks so over the years <laughs> <laughs> nobody nobody likes their their home club invaded by people like but it's all that much sweeter when it's, you win. it's been happening for it's been happening for years though and it, i get so invested when we play the blue jays because i'm just like i want all these canadians to go home set it's funny too because a lot of them are from vancouver and i'm a canucks fan so it's like i probably have like a similar interests as these people but no i want them to suffer this week so on that they, note they, they must be they must be his manners gear just like do like running a noisemaker the whole time shouting viva la mojo they must they must be they must be punished for their insolence <laughs> well, on the on the uh, the wavelength of, of uh, you know you being a Canucks fan, so I'm in line and we I got there late at like you know six twenty, so I'm having to sit way back in the lines to get in, and there's this group of like five young Canadian guys, like ages twenty two to twenty five, and they are sloused, they are hammered, and they're getting stopped by security because they're hammered and because they have bags. You can't have bags in in uh, stadiums anymore. And uh, this guy is next to me. His name's Lucas. And he's like, hey, man, you're awesome, man. Yeah, yeah, blah, blah, talking about everything. And at the end of the conversation, he goes, man, I just, I just got to tell you, man, go Blue Jays. The Mariners suck, man. And I said, I'm a Mariners fan. You don't think I know they suck, Lucas? And then I, cl- I clapped my hands together, put up in the air, and I said, I'm into Toronto. Let's go Maple Leafs. And the, the Mariners fans around me knew what I was doing. The Canadian kids, if you want to look at like five young guys who look like they just had their beer pissed in, it was there. It was great. I felt like a genius. And then uh, after I, uh, some of Lucas's uh, drunkenness had rubbed off on me, apparently you can catch that these days. Either that or it was the, the three ciders I had um, in the Terrace Club. Uh, the 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 ump checked the the glove or the hand of the the Blue Jays pitcher, and I yelled out, uh, "He's got maple syrup on his fingers!" And uh, I got I got I got even more. No, 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 that was even a bigger hit in the stands, Kevin. So that one played. Yeah, that one played in the. Well, I mean, come on, there were a bunch of old people in the Terrace Club. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So, okay, so so the Marin- Mariners are back. If you want to talk, uh, Mar- if you want to talk Mariners in this court, and then have me just t- tell you that the Mariners suck, uh, right, right, uh, hey, this is the right time, man. Right if they there. win and today, if you want to have me in help fact, hype them up and then also explain how terrible their history is, uh, I got yeah. that too. Na- Nash just posted that Otani might be interested in Seattle when he's a free agent twenty two three. Hey, you had your chance, buddy. That's right. You went to you went to Angels. And uh, I don't know if you know this, they're a cursed franchise. So yeah, stay away. Yeah, look okay. at all those karma losses uh, they got. It's uh, they're terrible. Uh, okay, uh, we're gonna start off with. Uh, oh my gosh, I lost my show notes because I was like so into Eric's story. Okay, <laughs> uh, 
Okay, we got to start with this. Uh, there's, I have several Seahawks stories this week. We'll start with Baker to Carolina. Um, there was a lot of rumors uh, <laughs> floating around that the Seahawks may have interest in Baker Mayfield. Uh, we decide we here at the Seahawks Nest podcast were like, eh. I, I know other people were into it. It and we all agree. I think on here that it would make us a better football team. But like, is there a big difference between nine wins and six wins in the in the arc of becoming a Super Bowl contender? And I think we all agree. No. So so that's kind of why we're where we landed on um, Baker. Yeah. Another and, way to say it is I feel like he might have put us in Kirk Cousins purgatory because he would immediately <laughs> need a contract if he played well. And then we'd be stuck in that not quite a fully ready team with a quarterback who can't quite get you there. And I know like you guys, I know people think like, oh, if he plays good and we get nine or ten wins and we, you know, slip into the wild card or just barely miss. What's wrong with that? That's great. That means that we have a and then we have a good quarterback to pay. And it's like every quarterback who hits free agency gets the biggest deal. Do you really want to pay Baker Mayfield like the Deshaun Watson contract or bare (laughs) minimum thirty five million like you're looking or like like or like just million a year. Even anything in the neighborhood of the Deshaun Watson <laughs> contract, it's like, no, you don't want to give Baker Mayfield that contract. And if, if he plays good, that's where he's heading. He's heading towards Deshaun Watson contract. He's heading towards like that because that's what happens in the NFL is the quarterback is in the most important position. And if you play well as an NFL quarterback, that's what contract you get. So, yeah, I I, uh, I cannot. I cannot with the, uh, the Baker Mayfield. I don't want him. Uh, did you? So we, we. What was the sense? What was the sense you of feel? What was the feeling you got when the when the Baker to Carolina for a fifth rounder comes down? The news comes down. What? How'd you feel, Kevin? Um, well, on the one hand, I thought that was a good deal for the Panthers because they were already in quarterback purgatory, and so they're just in a better quarterback purgatory. Uh, they kind of already made their big mistake going in on uh, Sam Darnold like that. So for that reason, I felt like it made sense for them. I felt like the price was nice and cheap. If that's what we paid, that's what I would have wanted to pay for him. But I, I'm kind of glad we just stood pat. I feel like, you know, uh, on the off chance, Drew Locke somehow figures out uh, his entire career in one season. <laughs> then we're in a really good situation where we got him as a throw in on a trade. And if the more likely thing happens, which he ends up being somewhere around the 20th to 28th best quarterback in the NFL, then he'll be a competent way of evaluating the rest of the roster while we try and get a quarterback in place. Yeah. Uh, fifth round, fifth rounder. Did you feel like that was uh, the right amount for Baker? Eric? Yeah. Did you think that's a, that seemed fair? Yeah. To it's you? fifth of the conditional fourth based on playing time. I mean, I think you make this trade, you pay this money, you have Sam Darnold as your quarterback. It's going to be moved to a fourth and that's, that's good. I mean, honestly, I think that's probably fair for both teams. Maybe not fair for Baker, but uh, he's a player, so he doesn't get the say. Uh, I never I never bought the hype because after we made the Drew Lock trade, there was all the Drew Lock hype. Uh, Gino's still taking first-team reps. It just doesn't make sense to bring in Baker Mayfield. It never made sense. Yeah. The I think that the funniest part of this trade to me is that Baker Mayfield just was like, yeah, I'll take $3 million less million just to not be on uh, Cleveland anymore. <laughs> Just get so me, Baker get Mayfield me clearly here. sharing Ichiro's opinion of the city of Cleveland. Yeah, he's done. He's he's like I'm out of here. Um, Producer okay. Brett approves of this message. Now, lots of there are lots of press members. Uh, a Boston beat or I'm sorry, Cleveland beat writer uh, who has a bad reputation, uh, Justina Anderson, and people like that reputation. who 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 uh, who they they think that. They they were tweeting that the Seahawks were interested in Baker because pretty consistently they stuck with that story. Um, and then maybe the day before the trade or two days before the trade, uh, was it uh, Schechter comes out and says, this, or he was on Mac he was on McAfee and he said the that the Seahawks have never been interested. Their interest has never been strong. Uh, they're not really interested in Baker Mayfield. And so I, I'm. I'm here to say a couple things is one, there is a class of Twitter journalists, journalists in general, that they will just tweet anything an agent or a team tells them to, to try to keep access. Uh, Justine Anderson is a good example of this. Like just look at all her positive Deshaun Watson tweets. It's, it's, it's like, bad. 
It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And it's like you you see those positive Deshaun Watson tweets and you're like, OK, well, she's friends with Deshaun's agent, probably. And she wants to keep access. And he's telling her, like, I need you to tweet this stuff. I need you to put this stuff out there. Uh, these positive Deshaun Watson tweets. And so it's like, OK, I mean, that's what that that. But that when you see her tweet that Seattle has legitimate interest in Baker Mayfield or there's a Baker Mayfield trade brewing to Seattle, uh, keep that in the back of your head. Like this is a person who is willing to tweet literally anything a team uh, says and who stands to benefit if Seattle uh, if Seattle's a market for Baker Mayfield trade. Well, that's Deshaun Watson's agent in the Cleveland Browns, right? Because if Seattle's a, des- a legit destination for Baker, they can demand more from Carolina in a trade, right? Yep. So I think that the really the only thing uh, that – that Baker Mayfield was competing against was whatever San Francisco wants for, for uh, Jimmy Garoppolo with in Carolina. That was like, that was what they were competing against. There was no other team. It was just like, we can get Jimmy for a third. So we will take Baker for less than that. <laughs> that's I think I literally think that's all that, all that Carolina was thinking. Was Did like, you hear the story coming out of the owner's meeting, by the way, like uh, way back when uh, over the winter uh, or no, uh, sorry. in like, uh, February. Uh, it was during the combine. That's what it was. Um, apparently, basically, San Francisco was running around trying to convince people that didn't have good quarterbacks why they needed a Jimmy G in their life, like door to door salesman, um, which is just an absolutely amazing thing. They're like, wait, your quarterback sucks. Our quarterback that we're getting rid of doesn't suck as much. You definitely need him. John Lynch has just and, got a reputation we, we, for that. And we all traded I can picture up. is that video where uh, NC State wins the title in like 86 or whatever. And Jim Valvano is just running around trying to find someone to hug. And like everyone's running past him <laughs> towards the net. And that's just my picture with them trying to trade Jimmy G. The thing about Jimmy G is, yeah, he's all right. But that you literally traded up in the first round to draft another a different quarterback. Like you, you know, he's not the guy. And you've if established you... he's the quarterback you trade on from. Yeah. You established he's like worse Kirk Cousins, which is what he is. He's worse Kirk Cousins. Uh, so like that. yeah, that's. I mean, if they cut him, I would be fine with signing Jimmy G. If they end up cutting him, at this point, they're not cutting him though. I I don't know why they could do so much with that with that cap space. There's all these veterans floating around that they could sign, right? Like, can you just imagine if they stacked up that roster with like every free agent veteran on a one year contract using the twenty million dollars they're paying Jimmy G? I don't know. I feel like that'd be smart, but they're not going to. They're do not that, very apparently. wise team, though. I mean, which which they'd rather have the uh, they'd rather have Jimmy G just in case, just in case uh, their rookie quarterback they spent the number three overall pick on is not ready in his second year. Like I feel like you got to sh- you got to shoot your shot now. It's it's year two, right? Like you you have You're to shoot your Jordan shot. Love territory if you don't. Yeah, it's just it is what it is. Like and and Jimmy G's not Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the thing is that I understand passing on Jordan Love and just saying like you know what we're just never going to find out if he's the guy because Aaron Rodgers is a back-to-back MVP winner right um, it's a mess what a mess San Francisco is and I, I, I quite enjoy it I, I at least at least they know that they won't be great this year they'll just be good um okay uh, let's see a cringe comedy, Eric in cringe comedy, Broncos country. Let's ride. Oh, no. Uh, there's a video that's been circulating of Russell Wilson in front of a green screen saying like Broncos country, let's ride and like flapping his wings and like just being the most awkward. And it makes my bones hurt so much. It was, was it always, was he always this bad when he was on the Seahawks? No, I don't think he was as cringy because he wasn't trying to be established as face of the franchise. He was already there. So like going to, uh, going to the Mariners game last night all the the Seahawks posters on the side of the stadium, all the, you know, the player posters all gone. And cause they got to figure out who to put up there. Right. And with Russ, it was established. We got him. He was the starter. Wow. He's really good. He's great for 10 years or whatever here. They kind of have to be like, Hey, well let's market around Russ. And I don't think Russ knows how to do it. I think he thinks he knows how to do it, but I don't know. It's like the the minute he said, let's ride when he came out and Sierra was behind him, Sierra, whoever. And she's like, let's ride. And she like snapped her fingers. Oh my gosh. That was excruciating. And not because I miss him because it's just so forced. It's, oh, it's just the worst. It's so hard to watch. Also, you're sa- just real quick thing about Sierra. Uh, Sierra. He's trying to be Mr. Bronco. That's, that's the problem. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. You got to earn that, which he probably doesn't. 
but just play on the field. Just go out there and start doing your reps and have your guys film you. That's all you need to do, Russ. You don't do the little, the inspirational things where you're like, you know, working out and it shows how hard you're working, how hard you're sweating. That's the thing about Ciara, though. I, I feel like I don't have to, uh, I don't have to kind of like her anymore. I could just be like, I don't care about that person. Like people are like, you know, she's going to be in the Super Bowl. I'm like, yeah, cool. Good for Russ. And now I, <laughs> now I can just be like, <laughs> all right. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Russ is just, he's Russ. That's just who he is. He's just a, he's corn. He's the corniest. So yeah. Um, all right. So we're going to take a short break and then we will come back to, uh, to the AFC West. All right. So speaking of, of Russell Wilson for the AFC West, we're going to start off with the Broncos. The Broncos went seven and 10 last year. They added Randy Gregory, DJ Jones, Quan Williams, and of course, Russell Carrington Wilson. They dropped uh, Teddy Bridgewater, Kyle Fuller, Noah Fant, and uh, Shelby Harris. They drafted Nick Benito, Greg Dulcich, and Damari Mathis. Uh, could have gone with any of the, the you know Russell Wilson trade guys for the Seahawks connection, but actually this offseason, they signed Seahawks legend Bless Austin to be their number four cornerback. Eric, what's your favorite Bless Austin memory? Oh, the fact that he was on our team and he had a nice name and that he was all right for us. Yeah, he played. He's a solid backup for sure. All right, Kevin, what do you think about the uh, the Broncos as they head into uh, their 2022 season? Broncos were an odd team to look at from last season because they underperformed while also not being that great. Uh, like, there's a big um, there's a big narrative out there that they were kind of plugging Russell Wilson into a ready made team. And I think there's a pretty significant argument to be made that they're kind of plugging Russell Wilson into a team that's a lot like the Seahawks without Russell Wilson. Uh, they still have significant issues on the offensive line that they seem to have addressed by signing Billy Turner to play right tackle, um, which tells me they didn't see Billy Turner play right tackle. They picked up Nick Benito and Randy Gregory, which should help with some of their pass rushing issues, but then they lost Kyle Fuller and Bryce Callahan, and I don't think they really replaced them all that well at corner. So, I'm, I am I don't think their defense took a big step forward, and they lost a really good veteran defensive coaching staff off a defense that finished 20th in DVOA last year. Yeah, so going from, going from Von Miller to Randy Gregory is like a downgrade. I mean, yes, they'll have the whole season of Randy Gregory, so that's maybe better. But like, I don't, when I looked at this team, I expected to think like, okay, you know, the narrative around Denver was that they were a quarterback away. So I'll look at this roster and I'll think, oh, they have a quarterback now and they'll, they'll be great. And I just look at the roster and I think like, yeah, they'll be better than last year because they have Russell Wilson. But like, will they be that much better? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. This does not look like a Super Bowl contender to me when I look at this roster. Like Russ has a lot of weapons, which is good. Uh, but he has it is a very sea hockey offensive line with like holding world champ Garrett Bowles and, um, and, the, and, and the Lloyd boys. Cushenberry, who's basically a, a, a speed bump. Yeah. Well, how tall is Lloyd Cushenberry too? Like he's six foot four center. We've we've seen it. Is Russ going to throw over the middle this year? Is is that going to be a thing? Like this is these are the questions you got to ask yourself when you're thinking about the the Denver Broncos because if he's not going to throw over the middle, KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy, two guys that are very talented but work primarily over the middle of the field, are functionally nothing. Right? Like they're 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 just not going to be what they what we what we hope they'll be. And Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick will be great, but like that. You know, you could just downgrade those guys in your in the back of your head already. I I think this is a good team, but not a great team. Eric, what do you think? Is the as the are we uh are we too hard on the Broncos, or is this a roster that kind of is in the middle for you too? Oh, I think we're a little hard on the Broncos because we let's face it, we don't really want Russ to succeed, but we're also <laughs> accurate in what we're saying. Everything you're saying about the offensive line is correct. Everything you're saying about Russell is correct. Is he going to throw over the middle of the field? I've been saying that. I have some friends in Colorado that are like, I know this is a bad day for you, but man, I'm so excited. And I'm like, well, just let it, you know, you're getting a robot and he can't throw over the middle. So don't look for that to change. Either one. It's not that he can't, he won't. It's just I, that he won't. I don't know if he can. But I, they did I, spend a third round pick on a tight end he won't use. That's, again, more tight end. Unless it's his best friend, James Graham, you're not really getting much out of your tight end. Um, looking at their schedule, this is like the meat. This is where where I can like kind of formulate where I think the Broncos are going to be in their season. Kansas City Chiefs, uh, San Diego Superchargers. I know that's really where they play in my heart. 
and the Raiders that everyone's kind of on the fence about we'll get into. These are three teams that are going to give them trouble. And if you look at their schedule, yeah, it's an easy schedule in the division. That's supposedly the easiest, but they do have to place the Rams just like everyone else, the Cardinals, the Seahawks. That might be a revenge game for us and maybe nothing. But if you look at every possible loss, like not not saying they'll definitely lose lose these games, but like, oh, that, that could be a loss. That could be a loss. There's nine of those games. And I don't think they're going to split those games. So I look at the Broncos as probably having a second-place finish. Let's ride. Let's, let's, let's ride. Here's my, here's my thing, okay? is that, And I know I did this with the Browns a couple years ago, and it kind of blew up my face. But first-year head coach with first-year OC with first-year DC and Russell Wilson coming in wanting to control a lot. I don't know, man. I have a feeling there's just a chance that that situation kind of blows up in their face. It's it's like that is a tough situation to manage. Russell Wilson is the most senior uh, offensive coach on this staff. Like he he probably has a rightful claim to say like, hey, I know more about running an NFL offense than than you, Justin Outen and Nathaniel Hackett. Like, it, and that's perfectly legitimate. So I, I like worry that if if the power struggle Russell Wilson things are true, like how bad that could get if things don't go swimmingly for the Broncos, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like I said before, they're better than last year. Um, I have them at 10 and seven and making the playoffs. Uh, I don't think they're bad, but they, but they, they're, there definitely is uh, a path to struggle here uh, for the Denver Broncos. Uh, Eric, how about you? What's uh, your record? I also have them at 10 and seven, possibly making the playoffs. Um, I think they have sh- a bunch of, I have a bunch of teams at ten and seven. So yeah, so, so, well, the Chargers we'll and the that. Chargers and the Chiefs uh, I have as better records, but ten and seven is not going to guarantee you a spot in the playoffs. And I said at best they will be second in the division. They might be the third. I have them third. I have them third in the division, but not in the way you think. Uh, what it? What about you, Kevin? Uh, I also have them at ten and seven and third in the division, fighting for a wild card spot. And I feel like honestly, it's their schedule is going to be difficult this year. Like that's. They don't match up well within their own division. Nope, I'm two and four in the division. They, they, it's, it's a, t- it's a tough division, and yeah, they don't, they're not gonna, they're not gonna do well in. in the I division. think this could be one of those like really unfortunate situations for them. Great for us, where they are better than their record was last year, but but they are not good enough to improve a lot on it. I could see, I put them at ten and seven, but I, I really think ten wins is kind of the ceiling. I mean, they have the the gift of getting to play the AFC South, though. That's the other thing, <laughs> the, the absolute gift of um of three, probably four wins. Uh, okay, the, the every every team in this division gets that. The Kansas City Chiefs went twelve and five last year. They added you ready for some names here, guys: Marquez Valdez Scantling, Juju Smith Schuster, Ronald Jones, and Jermaine Carter. While losing Javarius Ward, Justin Reed, Tyran Matthew, Byron Pringle, and Tyreek Hill. In the draft, they added George Karloftis, Trent McDuffie, and Sky Moore. And the Seahawks connections of Frank Clark is uh, on the Chiefs. And our starting center, Austin Blythe, is on the Seattle Seahawks. Or was on the came from the Chiefs. So, uh, Eric. One quick thing. Justin Reed was an addition, not a subtraction. Mm-hmm. Oh, I put him in the wrong category? Man, that's just bad. That's just bad bad work right there. I put him in the wrong <laughs> spot in the spreadsheet. Uh, all right. Well, I'm fired, I know guys. he didn't have two uh, last names, so you're like, "There's no way they added this guy. He only has one last name." I know, or a number. Ronald Jones the second. Uh, the second. Yeah. Uh, okay. If so, it was like uh, Justin Reed Fitzmanovich, you'd be like, "Oh, that's an addition." For sure. All right, uh, Eric. Start us off. What do you think about the chefs? Oh, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, pedigree of the division, right? Uh, Super Bowl winning. They've got a very good quarterback. Uh, they didn't. Cutting the, to the quick here, I don't think that they lost a whole lot. Tyreek Hill is a huge loss on paper, but I think it's something that they can recuperate from. They added more weapons. Uh, they're just going to have to get... You are calling Juju Smith-Schuster and, and Marcus Valdez-Scanling weapons? That is the most generous thing people, someone has done to those guys lately. I was just I... saying that Tyreek Hill is somewhere writing your name on a bulletin board for himself. Oh, he can't, man. He's won two championships with me. And uh, we've done our due diligence. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're good. Uh, I love Tyreek. He's my brother, man. So uh, <laughs> back okay. to... You say if you're way too tall for him to go after. That's, well, 
<laughs> I don't know if Tyreek can catch me. Uh, that's a that's a joke. Well, so you're not a kid or a woman, so he's probably not oh, going to go after you. Ouch, ouch. You found where I was going. So uh, the, the Chiefs are going to be just fine this year. They do have supposedly the toughest schedule in the division. I think, again, kind of like the Broncos, uh, some of their toughest schedule is going to be where they face their AFC West brothers on the schedule because that's going to be uh, – if you look at their schedule, they've got – some easy games in the beginning, easy games coming off bye weeks, but um, they have, you know, basically, I guess, hammer games just peppered in. Uh, this is a team that I think is more likely to finish second in their division over the Broncos, who are finishing third. Um, I'll get to another team that I kind of believe in, but uh, I still think that that the Chiefs are going to have these struggle moments during the season and ultimately just be like, nah, we're fine, and prove that they're, they're still tops in the division. So for me, okay, this is the thing about this this Chiefs team is the defense wasn't very good last year. Um, they added some rookies that I really like, Chanel, Karloftis, McDuffie, that I do think will help make them a little bit more tolerable. But they did have significant losses. Uh, Tyron Matthew is not like nobody. Um, the losing him is going to hurt. He's a, definitely a, a game changer on defense and probably was their best defensive player. Now, um. Maybe Chris Jones. I don't know, but Chris Jones doesn't change his gloves, so like that, and that bothers me so much. Still, it's so gross. Uh, So the the thing about this this Chiefs team to me is that so the defense wasn't that good last year, and then their offense loses. I think maybe the most field tilting player in football. Right, no one tilts the field more than Tyreek Hill. And they replaced him with. I was waiting. (laughs) Uh, And they. They replaced him with Marquez Valdez-Scantling, a guy who's fast but drops the ball all the time. Juju Smith-Schuster, a guy who I think most people at this point think probably just benefited from being constantly in single coverage across from Antonio Brown. And Sky Moore, a rookie. Uh, their their wide receiver room is a, is a problem for me. I mean, oh, they got Josh Gordon, too. Don't forget that. But Do they, though? Does anyone? Yeah, will no, catch no, three Josh passes. Gordon. I mean, yes, they still I have Travis like Kelsey, but has Josh Gordon. he's getting old. I don't think this team is bad, but you know how the Saints had like gap years where they were like good but not great, and then the next year they were awesome again? I think this is like – because Patrick Mahomes in this situation is Drew Brees, like the one of the if not the best quarterback in the NFL. Um, he's going to have a good season. The defense needs a year to kind of integrate these rookies, Cook, Chanel, Karloftis, and McDuffie, and then one more draft to kind of either hammer defense or get a top flight wide receiver. And then they'll be they'll be back to the the chefs of old, uh, where we're, they're the best team in the division again. I think this is just like this is Chiefs gap year. This is Chiefs like, eh, we're pretty good, but we're not great. Uh, that's that's how I feel about about the Chiefs this year. Uh, Kevin, what do you, what do you think? Are the Chiefs, am I too low on the Chiefs? Am I underrating the the power of Mahomes and Reed? I think I had a lot to say, and then and then you said stuff, and now I have way less to say. Uh, we're <laughs> that's really why I always go in the. Patriot. That's why I always go in the middle. I was going the middle. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, the wide receiver room uh, really needs like, if you slot a true number one in here, then suddenly you're going, oh, this is a pretty good wide receiver room, right? Because you're going, okay, well, you put a true number one in, and then Marcus Valdez Gatling slash Michael Hartman plays the field stretcher role, Sky Moore, Juju Smith-Schuster in the slot. That makes a really interesting wide receiving team, uh, especially when you have Travis Kelsey in the mix, who is not washed, but is in decline a little bit. They've done a great job of rebuilding their offensive line. They got Darian Kennard in the fifth round, because apparently Creed. if you're a good offensive lineman and you slip, you just go to Kansas City. That's not fair. Creed Humphrey, man, like just finding him in the second round. What a what a Dude, gift Trey Smith them. in the sixth round, man. Like yeah, they they dude. just they they. They did it <laughs> like it's it's just, it's just unnecessary. I don't appreciate it. Um, and then I agree with you. I think the additions on defense, Karlofta, Chanel and McDuffie, I think are very easy to see how they'd be good. And adding McDuffie and Justin Reed to uh, their defensive backfield is a net plus, I think, because Traverse Ward's good, but uh, and, and Tyra Matthews good. But this is getting both younger and adding talent. On the net. They're outside. They're outside corners, though. <laughs> yeah, Legarius Need I think is good, but uh, Joshua Williams is more of a project, and a Rashad Fenton is not the answer to questions I Le- want about Lonnie J- outside corners. Lonnie Johnson, maybe I don't know. I don't know what they're gonna do for sure. Lonnie Johnson's definitely tall, so he'll be playing outside somewhere. 
um, yeah. maybe his backyard. So, uh, yeah, that's they have a couple of glaring holes that are going to hold them back. And it's a retooling year, like you said. It's not a rebuild. It's definitely a retool. They have good they players, can... and they'll be in the playoff push. But it's this team is be... competitive. They're yeah, they're gonna they're they're a playoff contender, but probably not a Super Bowl contender. That's that's where they're at. I think yep. this is they're they're in the mix for the last wild card, the wild card spots. Uh, they're they're right in that mix. But I just think they're not a true Super Bowl contender right now. It's just uh, they're just. But next year they will be because they did the smart thing. They were like, we could run it back this year with this team that probably will lose in the AFC championship game. Right. Like that's that's if they also keep because Andy reads the goat and Steve Spagnolo is a good defensive coordinator. So so they're like, we could run it back or we could trade Tyreek Hill, really get some picks, sink a bunch of picks into our defense, get our defense improving. And then next after next year's draft, like get our wide receiver, get get one more defensive piece and, and be a Super Bowl contender again. I I think they're smart. I think what the that Tyree Kill trade was really smart. It was good uh, roster management. If it if you have the job security like Andy Reid does. <laughs> if you're if you're if you don't have that job security like Andy Reid, if they go I have them going nine and eight, I'll just say it. If they go nine and eight this year, they're like they ain't putting Andy Reid on the hot seat. They ain't gonna be like, oh Andy, sit down, you're on the hot seat. You barely missed the playoffs by you know one win. We're we're gonna no. There's no Andy Reid hot seat. He could go nine and eight for three years, and they'd probably still run him back for the fourth year. Like they he they have confidence in him and Patrick Mahomes working together to push this team up. It's a, they he they can they can have a little bit of a down year and they'll be completely fine. So I'm at nine and eight, uh, oh. right in the right in the mix for that wild card spot with like you know Dolphins, Ravens, a bunch of teams. I have at nine and eight and ten and seven. Uh, Eric, what do you have him at? Uh, so along the lines of. The Broncos have a chance at being the second best team in this division. I have the Chiefs. Uh, you know, I'll just I'll draw a line in the sand. I have them at eleven and six. I don't see yep. them losing more than six games. Even though, yeah, I don't think they're going to be a Super Bowl contender. Uh, I still think that they're going to come along and be like, "Yep, we we still won a lot of games." Yeah. What do you, What do you think, Kevin? I'm at ten and seven, splitting the difference. Um, I think they're going to be right there with the Broncos, competing for a wild card spot. Right, and let's get if to, the Chargers uh, can't get there, then I think that the Chiefs might kind of back their way into a um, division title. Let's get to a, con- a team that I'm sure will create controversy here. The Duh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 10 and 7 last year. They added Chandler Jones, Bilal Nichols, Devontae Adams, and Rocky Sin, losing Zay Jones, Marcus Mariota, Casey Hayward, and Quentin Jefferson in the draft, adding Dylan Parham, Neil Farrell, Zamir White, and the Seahawks connection. Seahawks legend Jacob Hollister is a Raider. All right, Kevin, what do you think about Derry? <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> Did you throw your back out? Um, uh, here's cry the, for help. Uh, the, uh, the, schwam, the schwam is slowly dying inside me, so I have to. <laughs> uh, we're exercising our inner schwams. Um, uh, adding Devontae Adams is, of course, a big deal because he is one of the top three wide receivers in the NFL. And it turns what was a extremely questionable wide receiver core into a pretty darn good one. Because if you consider Devontae Adams your one, and you didn't like Hunter Renfro and dudes. You uh, didn't like Hunter Renfro and dudes. If if Hunter Renfro is your second or third option, I think that's like Hunter, solid. Hunter Renfro rules. He rules, but like Hunter Renfro is not a number one. Wide no, it's like it's like if you had only Adam Thielen. Guess what you can do? Just like shut that down. That's that's a thing you can do. Um, yeah. so big upgrade there. Then I look at their offensive line, and that is Colton Miller and dudes. Like, I think they're hoping Dylan Parham is a guy right away, and he could be actually. I thought I liked him in the pre-draft process. I could see Parham and Munford both stepping into starting roles. That's not good for this offensive line, though. Like that, this is this is a problem. Like their offensive line is one of the worst in the NFL, uh, possibly the worst. Uh, then we have Josh Jacobs, who they've put a lot of pieces around. Now they have Kenyon Drake, uh, Brandon Bolden. They drafted Zamir White, who looks kind of like. He might be the next guy there. Um, they spent a late round pick on Britton Brown. Uh, the goals definitely seems to be more having a backfield by uh, committee, which, you know, bringing Josh McDaniels over makes sense. And mm-hmm. also makes sense for trying to get the most out of Josh Jacobs, because when he's not on the field because he's injured, it turns out that he's less effective. Uh, they did a good job of doing a quick slap rebuild on the defense uh, because it was terrible. 
And they went out and got Chandler Jones, who gives them a top flight pass rusher. Uh, Kylo, Kyler Fackrell, who is a decent supplemental pass rusher on the outside. So they got Jones and Crosby. Uh, Jam Brown coming over for Tennessee. He's a tackle machine. He's a good pickup for them. Uh, they've struggled to have just competent linebacker play, and he's very competent. Um, Bilal Nichols is another player that came over and just kind of adds a baseline competence along with Vernon Butler. So uh, their front seven is pretty good, uh, but then they have defensive backs. And that's a problem because I can see who those defensive backs are, and two of them might be okay. So this, this Jonathan Abram slander will not stand, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it will dive in the opposite direction of the ball carrier. That's what it will do. Um, I'm not here for it. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that this is a team that improved, but it might not show on the record because they pretty significantly overachieved last year. They were a seven win team that won 10 games. So I think they're going to be a little bit closer to what their projection would have been last year. So I actually kind of agree is that like this team improved quite a bit in my mind. Like they got better. I think moving Alex Leatherwood to right tackle instead of having him play right guard is just, is going to help a lot on their offensive line, put them closer to the middle of the pack. Uh, he's not a guard. <laughs> just that like that. He that might not very... be a tackle either, but he's definitely not a guard. He's definitely not a guard though. <laughs> and then, and then I think adding Rockus in does, does help a little bit on the, on the, uh, in the defensive secondary and um, yeah, losing Casey Hayward uh, sucks. Like that—that that is like a guy that kind of I think like glued their secondary together last year. And I don't know who that they need someone to step up into that role this year. So that's kind of what their whole season kind of hinges on to me is like if they can find like good secondary play by like having someone kind of pull everything together, then I I like it. I think that they'll be good. Chandler Jones is a it's a good and Max Crosby is a really good edge pairing and it will hide a lot of the problems that they have uh, because those two guys will, those guys are just going to do work on yep. the edge. Like they're just going to, they're going to, it's, it's hard for a, it's hard for an offense to deal with both of those guys on the same team. So Max Crosby and Chandler Jones are just going to be terrorizing defenses and it will hide some of the secondary problems that they, that they might have uh, adding Devonte Adams to this offense. He already has an uh, standing, uh, Established relation with Derek Carr. A lot of times when wide receivers change teams, they don't play as good, right? They do slightly worse. Um, we've seen it in the past. A lot of guys, wide receivers change teams, and then they're just not quite as good as they used to be. We've seen some exceptions to this now, like Stephon Diggs and stuff like that. And Devontae Adams is going to be the next in the line of guys who play better or as good in a new team because Derek Carr and Devontae Adams tore it up at Fresno State together. This is like a perfect match. So I'm I'm into this, but like Kevin said, they overperformed last year. So they're not their record is not going to be they're not going to get better and then be like twelve and five. Also, I don't want to underrate the Josh McDaniels factor. We've seen this happen before. Highly touted head coach gets opportunity in NFL and it does not go the way they expect. Especially to Peter, Peter Clay Carroll, and then they <laughs> leave they leave head coaching in the NFL level for a while. And they don't come back until the perfect opportunity presents itself. McDaniels waited. He turned down a lot of jobs. Okay. This is not like we saw him turn down the Colts job, right? Like just a couple years ago. This this guy did not. He waited and waited and waited. This was what he felt like was the best opportunity. And I think he spent enough time around the block now to know what the best opportunity looks like. I'm going to assume he has a lot of control over the roster, which I think is good. Uh, because him, he, he knows what he's looking for in the players that he wants to, to put together his, his offense. So yeah, I'm into it. I, I really like that, that hire. I think that that's an underrated factor here is that he, the coaching being better might also help them get a couple of uh, extra wins that they might not have. So, okay. Eric. Raiders. Raiders. Uh, what, what's, what more needs to be said? Their offensive line is bad. I do like Josh McDaniels. I still don't know how I feel about Derek Carr. I'm, I'm still 500 on that guy. Uh, bottom line, they have a tough division. Let's say they split that. That's three games. They have to find six more wins on the schedule to get close to a wild card, which means they got to probably find eight more wins on the schedule to actually be in the playoffs. I don't see that happening. I have a final record of the Raiders. 
I'm not going to go high. I'm going to go ahead and say they are an eight-win team. I have them going three and three in the division, Eric, but finishing ten and seven. Mm, there um, you go. Thanks, thanks, the, Nine the gift, was my high side, so I'm just I'm dipping the, one down. Eight. The, the gift, the gift of the South. <laughs> the the four four free wins, and then they go three in the division, and then they just had to pick up three elsewhere. But it is definitely interesting. It's going to be interesting to see where this Raiders team lands. It is like one of the highest variance teams, I think, on the whole uh, slate. They could be really bad. They could easily they could be like a six win team and they could also be pretty good if if McDaniels kind of activates Carr and the offense really gets cooking because they have good weapons on this offense. Uh, it could be it could be fun to watch. Is uh, the Kevin gift Warren of the Lane. South uh, Eric, the uh, unreleased sequel to Eric's favorite Disney movie, The Song of the South? <laughs> oh, man, um, I have them going uh, sure. nine and eight, splitting the difference. Nine. I think that All they right. are a significantly better team than last year. But their Pythagorean win loss last year was six point eight. Like they had a negative point differential. Don't let that ten and seven fool you. Uh, they Kevin Kevin. Uh, I'm gonna have to have you get out of the middle. You're gonna have to pick a side eventually. All right, San Diego Superchargers. Now it's Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, they added J.C. Jackson, Sebastian Joseph, Khalil Mack, Gerald Everett. Uh, they dropped. They lost Uchenna Nuosu, uh, Justin Jones, Kaiser White, Stephen Anderson. They drafted Zion Johnson, JT Woods, Isaiah Spiller, Seahawks connection. Uh, Seahawks potential starting quarterback Geno Smith appeared for in five games in 2018 for your uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, Eric, what do you see? What do you think about this chart? What do you think about this Chargers team? Starting off with me, huh? The Chargers. It, it, uh, that's Mike. what it says in my show notes to do. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just didn't know if you were going to if you were going to take this one. Uh, the Chargers look to be man. If there was ever like the heir apparent, the the year that a team was supposed to step up and take control of the division, the Chargers have this year circled. Um, the addition of Khalil Mack is uh, it's big. Uh, I think their their corner just addition of JC Jackson was was very nice. Uh, the fact that they have Bobby Abair's kid uh, playing quarterback and he is no joke. Phil Rivers even came out and said they did a real good job with that guy. Check out my new retirement bolo tie. Um, <laughs> honestly, and this don't hold this, out on me. Did you show me the picture of the retirement bolo tie? You can't promise I'm not show it. I just imagine he has a collection of them that he stares at, like my hockey jerseys. He just looks at him and goes, <laughs> "I'm gonna go with this one today," and they all look the same. Uh, I I like this Chargers team a lot. I think that they're talented. I think that they're not. Uh, don't make fun of me, Kevin, for what I'm about to say. I don't think they're over talented in the areas of offense that other teams are. I mean, their, their wide receivers are very good, but they, they don't have like a true one. They have like two pluses, which I think works in their favor. This Keenan Allen slander will not stand. Uh, you know, hold you hold know on, how on, I feel. On. You know how I feel about I, Keenan Allen. That's why I'm saying this. Keenan all Allen the, is all so these good. NFL front office is concerned about becoming over talented. I'm glad Eric's <laughs> here to help him with that. I knew it. I knew it would come out. I knew it would come out. <laughs> Keenan no. Allen has I like he's the Seahawks so, did become over talented this offseason. I was worried. Well, don't you have to worry so, about the Seahawks becoming he's eleven hundred yards and six touchdowns in the bank with mm-hmm. like a hundred hundred and ten receptions. One hundred and eighty like days on the injured list. He has missed two games in the last five years, Eric. I I know I had him on my team, and they were the two games that he was on my team. I'm, I, I had them in twenty twenty. In twenty twenty, the two games he missed too, and then he had he got goosed in that one game where he played, and yeah, it was it was hard. It's just I it don't was, I. You, so you're just bit you're bitter. You're I'm bitter. bitter. I've Keenan always Allen. been bitter. You know this. I'm always he's an, like he's a number one, he's a number one receiver. Keenan so Allen could save me from a fire, and I'd be like, <laughs> my my clothes are a little singed. You'd be you'd be like, I hate that beard, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is not a great beard. No, so uh, I really like this team. I just think that honestly, looking at their schedule, all the all the other teams we've talked about all have similar schedules, right? But there's the gimme games, and they're like, ah, are they all gimmies? I think for the Chargers, this is where you circle and you're like, yeah, they should win all these games that the other teams are like, eh, maybe. Like we're talking about teams going three and three to, in the division. Chargers have a chance to go four and two in the division. I think that's likely. The Chargers. Here's the thing. Okay, the Chargers won. This is the best roster in football. Like, I've looked at all of them now. This is my favorite roster. If I could trade rosters with any teams, this would be the one I would trade. Yeah. With. Uh, this is the best roster in football. Uh, that th- their coach is suspect. He goes for it a lot, which can <laughs> be just, great or terrible, which has not worked out super great for them last year. But in this particular season, 
in which their division is really tough and they get to pick up games against the AFC South, which is there. That's their division they're playing. So that's like four free wins. Then, I mean, I keep saying that people, I, I, I hate the AFC South. It's the really bad division. Then they, they're, they got third place schedule. So they like pick up a game against the Falcons, you know, like they get, they got all these bad, they get to bring in a couple bad teams to, to play, right. They get to play the teams that got third last year. Oh, we get to play the Browns in the first six weeks of the season. Well, that's a win, right? Because they're, Deshaun Watson is getting at least a six week suspension, right? That's, that's, that's what's going to happen there, right? The, who got third in the, uh, in the uh, thing? Oh, that's the Dolphins, right? So like they pick up these, these easier teams because they, they got the third place schedule because they blew it quite, um, spectacularly at the end of last season. Uh, and so, yeah. And then the guys they lost, they lost guys that were net negatives. Kaiser white. I don't want Kaiser white on my <laughs> roster. And, and you, and you, if I said Max Crosby and Chandler Jones is a problem, well, Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack is way more of a problem than that. That is if the Joe, best pass rushing combo in football right now. That is like, that's like uh that's, I, that's like probably two top five guys right there. And if, you know, obviously Bosa has to stay on the field, but that's the guy who has injury problems like Joey Bosa, man, if he, if he just stays on the field, they are there and they are in good, good shape. I cannot wait. Uh, so yeah, Jabosa played 16 games last year. So I'm going to, I'm going to count it. I'm going to say he's, he's good to go now. I just looked it up. I, this is the, this is the best team in football. I, I like how you look uh, you know, right past Derwin James when you're saying the guy who can't stay healthy. Yeah, but they drafted. The thing is, they drafted a safety uh, like a contingency plan this year. They were like, "Oh, I agree." Like, I was just saying he can't stay healthy. I wasn't saying that like they didn't have a plan. <laughs> yeah, they, they they drafted JT Woods, who I think is pretty good. And they they another thing is Zion Johnson. I like is a guy who I kind of liked the more I watched him. Like the more I was just like, this is a dude. Like this guy is a good football player. And they really only had one big gap which is like they really kind of needed an interior offensive lineman that was like the only spot when i looked at their roster before the draft where i was like okay that's a that's a need right because they kind of need and they just got like the best one <laughs> so, so yeah they rule the the chargers rule they're really good i i don't know how high you can put them like there's 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 probably a limit but the, they're very very good this is my this is my team to beat in the NFL. There, it's them, and then the the Bills. They're they're one, and the Bills are two, and then I think everyone else is a tier below that. Like that, they those teams belong like kind of on their own tier in terms of how how good they are in the AFC. So, all right, Kevin, what do you think? Is are the Chargers number one for you as well? So the AFC West had really good drafts, except for Denver, and the Chargers had a really good draft that they needed. Um, Zion Johnson, I agree. I think he's, um, he's, he was my top interior offensive line prospect. Uh, I actually think he could play right tackle if you had to have him do it. And, um, what was it we wrote on the piece of paper before their draft? Uh, anyone but Storm Norton. And guess what they have? They have some anyone's because they also got Jamari Sawyer, um, super late who I'm not really sure why he fell that far out of Georgia. He's another like really solid interior offensive lineman. He could easily come in if he ended up starting at right guard and Zion Johnson was at right tackle. If for some reason, Trey Pipkins couldn't hold it down or just having Sawyer as an option as like a swing backup guard. I think adding that little bit of depth for the injuries, they always seem to pick up along the offensive line. That's a big deal. Uh, I think Joshua Palmer moving into his second season and working as a deep threat is really good, especially because they were able to bring Mike Williams back. They're doing a great job of maximizing Justin Herbert's uh, rookie deal to be able to bring talent all over the roster. Isaiah Spiller is the backup to Austin Eckler. I thought Spiller, when he was getting round two buzz, was a little bit much. Isaiah Spiller in round four was a really nice pickup. Like, this is a guy who can come in and do everything. So that was a that was another really good pickup. Sebastian Joseph Day coming in to play defensive tackle, and then they drafted Otito Ogbenia. Um, and those are both guys who can help out with the run game, which is a big problem they were having. Like Jerry Tiller yeah, was that, getting played in the middle too much and he could not do it against the run. And this is why I said like Kaiser White, just get him out of here because like Kaiser White was so bad against the run. Yeah. And then just just having him gone and just literally playing anyone else there, like Troy Reader's here now and that that's going to help so much. Yeah, it's he just... might end up taking some snaps away from Kenneth Murray and I don't think that's a bad thing too. That's not bad. And then their defensive backs, like you said, they, they've they got contingency plans for contingency plans because they drafted JT Woods, 
who can step in. And so if Derwin James gets hurt, JT Woodson is their Adderley starting safeties. That's not a bad thing. They still have Michael Davis and they drafted Asante Samuel Jr. last year. They bring in Bryce Callahan and JC Jackson. So now you have JC Jackson, Michael Davis, Asante Samuel Jr. and Bryce Callahan to find your three cornerbacks that are going to be playing. That's a really good situation to have. So they're deep at positions you want to be deep at. Um, Jared Everett coming, uh, Gerald Everett coming in to play tight end is a really good fit system yes. wise. And it's a, it's a nice like wash from like uh, last year who they had last year. Yeah, exactly. They just got younger, but like a very similar skill set with a little more speed. And so, and also Xander Horvath is kind of like that, uh, hybrid fullback, uh, tight end kind of role. He's just a little shorter. Um, I, I really like it. My big problem is, uh, I don't fully trust a Joe Lombardi offense, but they were fourth in offensive DVOA last season, and they really just needed to get better on defense. And I do know that Brandon Staley knows how to run a defense. So last year was supposed to be the year they stepped up and became a contender, and they kind of fell apart. This year they, they lost a lot steps. of close. They lost a lot of close games because of because they failed on fourth downs. Yes, like, and, that's really and also was. bad defense and bad special teams. And so, right, so, uh, so I have them going twelve and five and winning the division. I have them going thirteen and four and winning the division. Twelve and five, winning the division. Yeah, and then, like I said, them and the Bills, I think, are clearly like one A, one B, or one two. And then, okay, so the AFC. We're now that we're done with it. These are these are my uh, like everyone in the West. I got Bills, Patriots, Dolphins, uh, Bengals, Ravens. And then Colts, like I, I think that's that's my uh, my teams that could make the playoffs. That's my top ten. Everyone else, I'm just basically eliminating. Browns, I think just the, the suspension's coming, and j- j- now it's j- the Jacoby Brissett show. So I'm really firm on my six and eleven. Everything goes wrong projection for them. I don't know that maybe you guys are Jacoby truthers. Where where would you put the Browns now that it's clearly Brissett? Is uh, it, is it eight wins, nine games, wins? Right? It, well, the rumor is six or full season. It's like goes Whoa. back and forth depending, depending on difference. who you listen to. I'm going okay, full so season. then if it's yeah. between six and full season, then it's between four and seven wins. Okay. Like, I had him, think? I had him six wins because I was I, I I put my full uh, season. Yeah, I put my line in the sand last week that it was or when, when a couple weeks ago Jacoby was going to be the quarterback all season. Yeah, so six I think wins. Six is- I think six is a good call. Um, all right. Uh, there are many ways to support the Seahawks Nest podcast. The best way to do so, head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. And for as little as $1.24 a month, get access to the Discord. Uh, come chat about uh, Mariners baseball, uh, every all the other fun stuff that we're chatting about. Uh, talk to us about why our movie club picks are terrible or why uh, why our fave five is completely wrong. Thanks to those who support the show. Oh my gosh, it's loading. Andy, Brett, do it all for the Tucci, Evan, Floctimus, Greta, James, Joe, Lucas, Ryan, Timothy, Tom, Astro, Blake, Bob, Casey, Daniel, David, Foles, Jay, Michael, Michelle, Mike, Mike, Brett, Richard, Thomas, Werewolf, Brandon, Nick, and everyone else who supports the show. You guys are awesome. Uh, we're at the perfect number of patrons right now. It's a very nice number. All right. The uh, Unfortunately, we lost a legend this week. Uh, James James Kahn, uh was... Uh, died and so we wanted to do a little uh james con retrospective slash fave five uh kevin sarsoff what movie did you pick for the uh the fave five uh this is challenging um i ended up with like right about 10 contenders for me and i wanted to pick something that i thought really belonged on here and not just kind of abuse my pick and so uh a movie i picked that is kind oh, of- you're not gonna you're not gonna abuse your pick because i am uh, <laughs> well, we'll see if you think it's abuse. Um, if, and, if you pick Mickey Blue Eyes, it's it's abuse. <laughs> and the movie I'm picking kind of defines a certain era of uh, of like science fiction. I'm picking Rollerball. Okay, interesting. Uh, where he plays uh, the uh, lead character Jonathan, who is kind of the big uh, star. If you go to see this movie, be sure you're not seeing the remake because the remake sucked. Um, hey, hey! The remake is <laughs> enjoy <laughs> is enjoyably bad. It's yeah. enjoyably bad. Mm, I agree I, with, I, find I agree it. with one of the two words you used to describe it. Oh, enjoyable. Okay, Go, continue. <laughs> uh, so it, it's just one of those like I don't know if Death Race was roller derby, and there's something delightful about that. Uh, it also has like a government corruption angle in there, 
that is fun. Um, I would definitely believe it if you told me that it was uh, served as an inspiration for Stephen King's Running Man book. Um, it's just it's it's really enjoyable, like 70s sci fi with a certain amount of camp. I agree. That's a, mm-hmm. a good choice, Kevin. All right. What'd you pick, Eric? Uh, if, with, with James Caan, I feel like you have a fave 10. This guy had such an illustrious career. So many movies. Uh, I'm also leaning science fiction, although I was real close to picking two others that we'll, we'll no doubt talk about uh, in the uh, the two leftovers that we got to pick. Uh, I'm going with Alien Nation. Uh, this Oh. I loved this movie when I was a kid. I totally got it. I got a, the commentary on... You know, drugs and society and race and blah, blah, blah. Uh, alienation, in case you haven't seen it or you forgot about it. Basically, this uh, these aliens come to Earth and they're like, hey, we're going to give you all these resources that you don't have. But we need to stay on your planet and, uh, you know, live here because, you know, we we're going to die if we don't. And so they're being integrated into society. And, you know, there's all these basically racist terms for them. And there's some of them are criminals. Some of them are fitting into society. Uh, James Caan is like that old school cop who just lost his partner. And now he has to have a, an alien partner uh, who happened to cho- choose the name Samuel Francisco. Uh, it's a which, buddy. cop. This is like a buddy cop it's movie. The, it's kind of my it's favorite like, buddy. With cop Mandy movie. Patinkin. Yeah. Everyone Mandy knows Patinkin. the makeup of this movie. Well, it's like it's like if Lethal Weapon was mixed with District Nine or something. <laughs> yes, yes. And that's I mean, there's a little bit of comedy in there, like when he says, like when he's like, uh, uh, "This is your new partner, uh, Officer Samuel Francisco," and then they're walking away. He's like, "Hold, hold on a second. Hold. What's your your name's Samuel Francisco? You, your name is Sam Francisco." And the alien and Sam goes like, <laughs> he's "Like, yes, I thought it would be uh, comical," and he's like. And he just looks at me and goes, I'll call you George. And then he just walks away. <laughs> um, this movie, I mean, it's it's got action. It's got social commentary. It's got kind of a mystery. I love this movie. And I love James Conn in this movie. And as a kid, uh, you know, I don't know, 10 years, 12 years old, uh, this is where I was introduced into James Conn in a way that I I realized, man, I really like that guy. Oh, hey, that guy from Alien Nation is in this movie, The Godfather. My, all my, you know. All the adult people in my life seem to love, so I'm going to watch it uh, now that I'm 18 and I know what the and I can understand it. Uh, yeah, that's that's my movie, Alienation. All right, well, I'm going with the most feel good movie possible. Uh, you ready? Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Really? Uh, what? Really? Yep. Yeah, dude. I thought you were plays a elf. Plays a uh, plays uh, Bill Hader's dad in this movie uh no i'm not and going is elf. really fun in that role by the way uh this movie's this movie is like you cannot watch this and not have fun if you watch this movie and don't have fun then you're if you watch this movie and don't have fun you are dead inside <laughs> period end of discussion uh and like yeah like you, tim lockwood the the james con character in this movie is like the best character design he's so good uh, <laughs> yes, I, I just i just can't uh He's like the way that his character looks is, <laughs> is it's the guy from it's the guy from uh, from Luca. But like, yeah, I was about to say it's clearly served as inspiration for the dad from Luca. Yeah, it's, it's just he's just like perfect. He's just perfect. He's um, he's it, gruff. He, and then like, you know, like with a gooey center. He has like a giant unibrow that makes so you can't see his eyes. Like it's it's amazing. He, even a uh, he has Tom Selleck's mustache for his eyebrows. It's so good. And then Anthony and then Anthony Davis's eyebrows for his eyebrows. Uh, okay, so no, uh, yeah this this movie's great and like it's like the OG Lord and Miller animated movie, right? Like this was their first one. Uh, so yeah, the, the, it's awesome. Like they gave us it's given us so much fun stuff since then because those guys have kept directing and producing really great fun animated movies so yeah cloudy with a chance of meatballs in the fave five okay uh, so what i will say is yeah. we may have picked cloudy with a chance of meatballs alienation and rollerball from the guy who is in two godfather movies misery brian's song a bridge too far el dorado and thief but i don't feel bad about it so everyone can yeah just well with he, that. thing is thing is he's <laughs> how much is he really in godfather part two um like, Agreed, is, is, but that's fair. Okay, so so okay, so Godfather, God, the Godfather's in though. All right, what's your favorite 
What's your favorite Sonny Corleone moment in The Godfather, Eric? Oh, no, no, no. Uh, I can't pick one. <laughs> well, then I'll pick uh, when he beats the guy up by the by the trash can, trash can, or when he, or that that trash can uh, when he take when they take out the trash uh, like that. I mean, anytime he anytime he saw, uh, pardon me, anytime he talks, anytime he speaks, uh, those are the best moments with Sonny Corleone for me. Um, just hearing his voice, hearing anything he had to say, that was like that kind of made me stand up and take notice because he was like. I don't know of all the firecrackers in that movie. He was the most interesting to me when I first saw it. Um, his death was, was like, Oh no, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. Um, I don't know. I just pick one, pick one. It's like a James, Sonny, James, Sonny's such a, Sonny is such a great character because yeah, the first movie is a, it's a sunny movie, right? Like it's, it's about all these relationships between these people, but like the art, the, the, the whole, the whole thing, the heart of the movie is just sunny. He's a, too passionate, right? Like too, just too much to be like the, to be the Don, the Don has to be stoic and, uh, and you know, he can't let it, can't let anyone see what he's thinking. And like when he, and there's just so much there. Yeah. I don't know. It's a sunny planning the gun, uh, beating everyone up. Yeah, yeah just beat the, the is when he beats up the guy at the wedding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, being being at the table, it's just yeah. I feel like <laughs> everyone talks about you know it's a Marlon Brando movie and it is, but um, it's it's also an Al Pacino. Did movie. you go it's to also college to get Con stupid? Movie. You're really stupid. Oh, that's where we get the hey, come here, come here. Yes, <laughs> like that's that everyone says that. That's in movies and shows. That's that's Sonny Corleone. I love that. Apparently, that scene was improvised. Was it? Yeah, yeah. Jeez. That was that was just him like being in character for that. <laughs> All right, here we go. You ready for for contenders for the last spot here? All right. So these are the movies that I think you could reasonably fill the last spot with: Elf, Misery, Bottle Rocket, Thief. Uh, that's probably it. There's other movies that he's in, but I think those are the ones that like I think most reasonably uh fit this this uh this last spot uh bulletproof starring damon waynes and adam sandler uh Yikes. that was much more of a sandler waynes vehicle than the con vehicle <laughs> i'm just joking uh okay uh i'm gonna talk about elf because i don't think it's gonna win because i eric you hate this movie right i love elf what are you talking about oh you love elf yeah. okay so i'll talk about elf we'll talk about elf real quick elf I think it's cool because he, I gave it, I gave, you know, I gave it three out of five. It's not my favorite uh, movie, but uh, it is both, I think solid and way overrated. His hit. Yes, that's true. His role as Walter is really like a super great part of the movie. <laughs> like he's just, he's so perfect in my, this role. My favorite part, I think in the movie is when it shows like what a bad person he is. And he's taking the books away from the nun. <laughs> And she, <laughs> she goes, she goes. But the children love the books. And he goes, I know, but I got to take it back. But I like hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me laugh every single time. I, uh, so it's. I think that that movie and Thief are the most Seahawks nest picks of these. By the way, I also movies. want to put a plug in for what he's uh, gets called out by his kid for lip syncing. Um, Santa Claus is coming to town mm -hmm. and then argues <laughs> with the kid that he was actually singing when he clearly was not. That was perfect. Very James Conn thing to do. <laughs> what do you what do you guys what do you guys think about Thief? I love Thief. Um, I love that Thief was well. the other one in contention for me for being my uh, for being my pick. I think he's a great lead in that. I think the action sequences hold up. Um, it's really well of course they do. it's michael it's michael mann like, right it's it's michael, it's probably my second favorite michael mann movie and it's one of my favorite james con movies i think what in an alternate university hawks nest uh elf misery and thief were picked and uh you know then we're discussing eraser <laughs> sorry <laughs> please no no, no, please, I, I, love no. Thief. I love thief i actually thought someone my name's so big oh sorry <laughs> someone would come in with misery here i really kind of thought we'd do that um, Misery is a really good movie, um, but if you're going to, he is not the reason that that movie is great. He is really good in that movie, but he's second fiddle. In I Thief, think like he the, carries the movie. He does, and Thief is also like the Michael Mann breakout, right? Like yeah. this is, it's like the movie that kind of like 
spawned his whole career. Well, it's also like. it, what if Sonny in an alternate universe was actually like the hero of a movie? It would be Thief. Yeah, he's. I mean, the thing about the the movie is, is like Jimmy Con Con's character in this movie is just he's a professional. You know, like I mean, like I just love the Michael Mann movies where these these people are just like actually competent and good. You know what I mean? There's so many movies like Bottle Rocket's a good example of this. Bottle Rocket, it's just a movie about idiots, right? Like, yep. or like knuckleheads. This movie, like the people, they're just they're pros, man. Like they're just they're just pros. I don't know. Let's pick. Uh, I think we should pick Thief. Over, I agree. I like it. All I mean, right, it's so, a heist movie too. So, uh, no, we already have Thief, Godfather, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Rollerball and Alien Nation. Uh, tell us your favorite Jimmy Con moments in the Discord. Maybe you love. Maybe you just love Brian's song. You can't get. You can't get enough Brian's song, and you're like, I cannot believe that they left Billy D. Williams out in the cold like that. Can't so for Eric, maybe you're just down with a gambler. For Eric, for Kevin, we will see you next week. Go Hawks.